Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lanza. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter, and uh, if this is your first time with us, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you for joining us today. I know we have some out-of-town guests, some family of mine who are here. I'm excited that they're here, and I think some new faces also who are here. Thank you for joining us. If you're on the podcast, thanks for taking time out of your week this week to listen. Uh, I believe that God has a word for you. We are in the middle of our Fresh Start series uh, last week with Easter Sunday. It was a great day. We had a packed house. It was wonderful to see everybody. We started this brand new series about the idea of that so many of us are looking for a fresh start. We wish that we could just start over, whether it be in our, in our jobs or maybe in our life. We look at what sort of we've accumulated over the years and we think, I just wish that I could get a second chance or begin. And we learned that last week that our fresh start begins with new life. And that all of it, everything that we said, I said last week that, that all the things that we do, whether it be self-help classes or living by good principles and these things, all of those things are just band-aids until we have the new life that really is available to us through Jesus Christ. And so um, I really truly believe that. When we have a fresh start, it gives us a chance to really start anew. Well, today we're going to take it another step further, and we're going to ask a question. Now that we have the life through the grace of Jesus, what's next? And so I find myself asking this question, maybe some of you ask this question of, why am I here? Like, I think a lot of us go through life and we ask this question, what the heck am I doing on earth, and why am I here? Have you ever asked yourself this question? In fact, when I was at work, I remember before I started, Be- uh, started Encounter Church, we were, I was working at Beeline, a company uh, that was working in the BNY Mellon offices downtown. And I remember going to work, and so often I would be dragged into these conference calls. If any of you have ever been in an office, raise your hand if you've ever been on a conference call in your life. Okay, so some of you, maybe you can resonate with this. I hope a lot of you can understand what I'm saying, or understand, or at least get the concept of what I'm saying here. As I remember doing my work, I have had a very very busy job. And I remember oftentimes throughout the day, in the middle of my day, I would be called on to a conference call that would last for maybe an hour and a half or two hours. If you've ever been stuck on a conference call, even one that was like important, you know how boring and how drudging conference calls can be. Well, I'm stuck so many times. I remember just so many times being stuck on a conference call that I had no point even being on. I remember asking myself this question, why am I on this call? I remember like, like looking at my calendar and outlook and saying this conference call is related to this particular topic and for some reason I'm required to be on it. My manager says I needed to be on this call and every time I'm sitting there on this particular call, they're talking about things. There's people from Europe. There's people from different countries all around the country, United States. And they would be on the call talking about some topic. And I would find myself feeling like this has nothing to do with my job. This has absolutely nothing to do with it. And here I am watching the emails pile up in my inbox. I'm watching the tasks that I was supposed to be getting done for my job not being done. And for two hours, sitting there feeling like I'm wasting my time. Why am I on this call? Why am I here? And I think 
This is a question that many of us ask in life in general, whether it's at work or maybe you find yourself feeling like, I, I look around in my life and I see people who it seems like they've got a purpose. They seem to have a direction. They know what they're doing. But in my life, if I look at my existence, I think I'm not really sure I have much direction. I don't feel like I have much purpose. And even though I have this new life that I found in Jesus and I, I'm, I'm grateful that I have a connection with my creator, I don't feel like I, I'm, I don't feel like I'm moving with purpose or I'm living life intentionally. Maybe you find yourself feeling like you're stuck on a conference call where everybody else has a reason to be there, but you're not sure why you are. I think we all want to feel like that we have a reason that we exist, that we want to feel significant. We all want to feel like we matter, that, that what we do here isn't just so that I could get up in the morning, go to work, and then come home and go to bed. Like We want to feel like we've made some mark or that the reason that I personally am here matters. We want to feel valuable. We want to feel important. We want to feel like we're needed. And I think we're always searching as people. We're always moving through life searching for ways to feel like we fit in or that we have significance because it helps us to feel like we're needed and purposeful. I mean, think about our jobs. Most oftentimes, we get a job and then we want to get a better job or we want to work our way up into other positions that have more responsibility. Why? Because that job helps us feel like we have some significance or some mark in our life. You don't want to just flip burgers the rest of your life. Even if you enjoy working at a, at a restaurant, may, maybe working on the line, most people don't want to just st- sit there in the one spot and do that. They want to get more responsibility so that they can feel as though they're more of a valuable contributor to what they're doing, right? Jobs help us feel like we have some kind of uh, significance. In our relationships, think about your families. Think about like the people in your, the dynamics of your family. There's always an individual in your, in your, in your family unit who has like, they need to feel like they're important. So they're the ones who like to cook, right? You have the cook in your family and they really want to cook at every event. Think about like a mom who would say, my mom just needs to feel like she's needed, needs to feel like she's wanted, right? It could be anybody in your family. Every person in your family generally occupies some kind of a role. And oftentimes, this is what happens when, when, when their kids grow up outside of their family, right? So if you were a child and you grew up and went to college and you moved out of your house, what happens a lot of times with an empty nest syndrome is what they call it, is that the parents now feel like they don't have the purpose anymore, This is that same concept. And so you'll see the mom or the dad oftentimes kind of nebbing around inside of like the the life of of the person trying to get back into their kids' lives because they need to hang on to some kind of, of kind of role. And it may happen not just with empty nest syndrome. It could, it could be in any situation. In my family, certainly, we have all sorts of different places. And it's because each one of us want to feel like we matter, like we're important, or like we have a valuable role in our life. We do the same thing with awards and recognitions. When we get an award for something, it could be employee of the month, it could be anything, we feel special and we cling to those things because it helps us to feel as though we're not meaningless, so that we're not insignificant. It helps us to feel like we are important. And without these things, we feel aimless. We can feel lost and we can feel frustrated because we don't, we go around our life feeling like we're banging our heads on the wall constantly, paying bills and trying to raise kids and all these things. But if you don't feel like in the end, like you have a direction for your life or a purpose, you're just going to feel frustrated. We need something to live for. And so Jesus gave us the opportunity 
for a fresh start by giving us new life through the cross and the resurrection. We talked about that last week. That's the beginning of a new life. A beginning of a fresh start is the new life that Jesus offers. But I believe that it wasn't just so we could sit around and say, well, now that I've got this new life in Jesus, that everything is hunky-dory, that like my life is perfect now. No, Jesus didn't just come to earth so that we could, and die on a cross and raise from life, from, or from death to life so that we could just say, okay, well, now we're done. He didn't just leave us in our mess. I believe that, that and we've said this before in Encounter Church, that we were each created on purpose and for a purpose. I truly believe this, that every one of us has a reason we exist, that every one of us are on this earth, in this place here today for a very specific reason. And, and that, I think this is hard for some of us to understand because some of you might out there right now be going, I don't know about that. I don't know if I think that I am on earth for a very specific reason. Like you say, well, maybe you, Jared, like you're a pastor, so I could see like that God, that God put you on earth so that you could help people have hope and help them know Jesus. But I would say, you know what? I would say that whatever you're doing in your life right now, that perhaps God wants to use you in ways that you're not even aware of, or perhaps there's something out on the precipice for you that you have to reach for that he's trying to teach you or tell you, but you're not willing to hear it or you're not paying attention with it. I truly believe that Jesus gave us new life for a purpose. And so our big idea of the day is this. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to pull out that note page in your, in your, your program that says this, a fresh start reveals new purpose. So not only do we, not only do we have a new life and now our, our soul can be reconnected to our creator and we can have a relationship with him and have purpose and peace in our life, but when we, when we have this fresh start in our life, it now can reveal new things to us that previously we were blind to. When we have lived our life for so long for ourselves and for the things in our own world, we are blinded to what God maybe created us for the things that you're good at, the things that you enjoy. Perhaps, perhaps, just maybe, God gave them to you strategically. It wasn't a mistake that somehow you just happened to be good at, at a particular skill, that maybe you're good at music or, or good at, at an artistic uh, you know, uh, pr- process, or, or maybe you, you have an interest in a particular area that's not an accident. I believe that God put those things in you to be used so that he can be glorified and so that other people can know hope and that we can work together as a family. When you find a fresh start in your life, it also reveals new purpose. And the Bible is full of references about what we should be doing as people on earth. I think this is the question most of us ask. us: like, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? And how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? Well, let's start with a couple things here. The first thing is that I believe there's a very general, a very general thing that every single human being on earth is meant to do, okay? Every single human being on earth is, to, is meant to know God and to make him known. Now, where do I get this from? Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. And I want you to see this, that like, that, that our purpose as human beings, every one of us has a blanket statement that all of us are here for. It is to make God known, or to know God and to make him known. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, it says this. This is some guy who walks up to Jesus and is one of them. An expert in religious law tried to trap Jesus with a question. He says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? The law of Moses being most of the Old Testament. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. 
This is the first and greatest commandment. But he says, but then a second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, he says, the entire law and all of the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what we're seeing here is Jesus is saying, hey guys, basically the entire Old Testament, so the first five books of the Old Testament is called the Pentateuch, right? Pent, Pentagon, meaning five. So Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. That is what is called the law, okay? So Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, all right? These five books are what all of Jewish people now look back and they say, this is how we should live our life. It's called the law, the law of Moses, Okay. But then after that, you get into the prophets. So you have people like Jeremiah, and you have people like Isaiah, and you have people like Amos and Obadiah, and, and all sorts of all these other books in the Old Testament, right? Jesus said that the entirety, almost the entirety of the Old Testament is summed up in two things. One, love your God with everything you've got in you, and two, love everybody else just the same, right? So now if you're reading your one-year one Bible, you can stop right now. You don't have to read your Bible anymore. I'm just kidding. No, but... Seriously, okay? So what he, t- he tells us, this guy was trying to trap Jesus. He was trying to say, how do I know what the most important thing that I as a human being should do in my life? And, and Jesus says, it's not about rules. What it is about is these things. And he says, it's about knowing God. So right, love the Lord your God with everything you've got inside of you and make him known. Love your neighbor as yourself. But here's the thing. How do we know God? He gave us four pieces. He said our heart. He said our soul, our mind, and our strength. I mean, if we love God with our heart, right, that's about, that's the things we care about. That's our priorities. That's, that's the things that we love. How do I, when I, when I, I can love God through my heart by loving the things that he cares about, by, by finding out the things that are important to him. That's, that's the lost. That's people who are hurting, people who are broken. That means going out of your way to, to care about those people. When I care about what God cares about, I'm loving him through my heart. We can love him through our soul. We said last week that when we have new life, it connects us with our creator. When we spend time with him, we're loving him with our soul. We're giving him our, our being, our innermost. That's like when we're resting, when we're quiet, when we're not going somewhere, we're not being busy. When we take the time to stop and we just allow our soul to connect back to our creator, that's loving him through our soul. But then, not only our heart and our soul, but our mind, that's the things we think about. Right? We love God through our thoughts. If I find myself thinking about things that are, that are vile, things that are, that are gross or disgusting, if I think about things, if I find myself dwelling on negative thoughts or things that are, that are destructive, those are, that's not the way to love God. We love God through, through our thoughts by thinking about good things, about helping people, about loving people, about things that are right, about things that are holy, things that are pure. We love God through our thoughts. And we love him through our strength. And this is where most of us say, well, I, I do a good job, I think, because I live my life and I'm a good person. Our strength is about our efforts and our actions. But, but Jesus actually left that one out in, 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 in Matthew. It was not until I think you get to Mark or Luke where it actually adds the word strength there. So, so two of the other three gospels that are there that tell the same story don't even mention strength. They talk about the heart, they talk about the mind, and they talk about our soul. And then Matthew adds our strength. And so we get to this place where it's not just about our actions. And doesn't that really sum up the rest of the New Testament? I mean, how many times did Jesus say that loving God or doing anything is not about the action itself, it's about the heart behind it? right? He was saying, he was talking about lust. He said, I tell you that if you, he says, you would say that if you sleep with another woman who's not your wife, you've committed adultery. But Jesus says, that's true, 
except that if I tell you that even if you look at a woman lustfully, you've done the same thing. What is Jesus saying there? He says your heart matters more than your actions do. And so when we add the word strength here, that's important because the things that we do are important. But the thing about the heart and the mind and our soul are just more important. They take, they're more important for us because it doesn't matter if I take care of homeless people. It doesn't matter if I do nice things for people. It doesn't matter if I say the right words. If my heart's not in the right place, if my mind isn't focused in the right place, if my soul isn't connected to my creator, my actions are just, they're just, they're effortless. They're just, they're empty. So we love God. The first thing that all human beings are supposed to do is to love God with everything we've got in us. Another way of saying, a way of saying to love God with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength is to say with everything, with my whole being, I'm going to give God everything I've got. Every one of us are called to know God. But we're also called to do the second thing. Because Jesus then didn't stop. He said, but the second commandment is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I kind of sum that up into make him known. You say, well, how do I make God known through loving your neighbor as myself? Well, because when I show God's attributes through it, if I'm going to love God with everything that I've got, but then love my neighbor as I love myself, we want to take care of ourselves, right? I mean, we are inherently selfish individuals. We want to eat. We want to sleep. We want to be entertained. We want to take care of ourselves. If push comes to shove, we generally will take care of ourselves before we take care of other people. That's kind of the way we act, right? So what Jesus was saying is take care of other people the way that you would take care of yourself. Give yourself, if you're going to give yourself the best, then you should be giving others the best. And that's a concept of God. So not only do we want to know God as people, our life, every single person who's ever been created and who will ever live their life, their job is to know who God is and to worship him. But it's also to point the way to him. So to know God and to make him known. And we do that by treating people the way that God treats us. God gives us his best. God loves us. He died for us. He serves us. He takes care of us. And he tells us as his people to do the same thing for others. So not only as Christians are we supposed to be, supposed to be living a life that is, that is about knowing God, it's also to make him known so that more people can share in the great joy that we have. Every one of us have peace in our life because of what Jesus did for us. And so generally speaking, every single one of us should be knowing God and making him known. And then in Luke chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus said, right, do this and you will live. So he kind of caps it off. He says, if you do these things, you will live. If we align ourselves with God and his desires for us, we will thrive in life. I feel like most of us bang our heads up against the wall wondering why life is not going the way that we want it to in our lives, why we have these things. And I'm not saying like just because we follow Jesus that everything is going to be, you know, perfect. But what I am saying is that if you find yourself constantly banging up against the same problems over and over again, it's probably because you're not aligning yourself with what God wants for you. Because there's something crazy that happens. We talked about this last month in The Blessed Life that when we align ourselves with what God desires, his best for us, we find ourselves in his, in his space. And when we're in his space, his favor goes before us in those places. It's just the way it works. When you start thinking, God, what do you want from my life? What do you want in this situation? I keep banging my head up against this and it keeps coming up and I keep dealing with these problems and the struggle and I don't know how to fix it. What do you want me to do? How can this situation be changed because of what you want? Watch what happens when you start prioritizing what he wants in your life. And begin, you'll begin to see he'll work in those situations and then those things will be behind you now. 
So that's a very general thing for all of humanity. But now you're asking this question of, well, what the heck am I supposed to do in my life, Jared? I want to know. That's all great and good. I get it that every one of us is supposed to make, you know, know God and make him known. But what about me? What about me personally in my life? I don't feel very purposeful. I don't feel very driven. I, I just want to know. Like, I see you up there as a pastor, Jared, and it looks like you've got it all figured out. You know, like, it seems like you are living your life because you have, you have a purpose. But I don't feel that way. How do I get that? Well, let's, let's read a story. Let's read a story from Genesis about what God thinks about this idea of each one of us, okay? This is a specific assignment we're looking for. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife. Tell you what, the Bible just gets to it, right? Eve, so he had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, the first son, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. So we have Cain and Abel. Most of us probably have heard at least the names Cain and Abel, right? When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. He was a farmer. When it came time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. And I'm thinking, isn't that an obvious question, God? You rejected him. Why do you look so dejected? Verse 7, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. Come on, let's go have a picnic. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Okay. So this is a pretty familiar story to many people. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this story. And it was perplexing to me for a very long time. I never understood what was the problem with Cain's gift. Why is it that Cain and Abel, both of them had a great job. One was a farmer, one was a, was a, was a, was a shepherd taking care of his flocks, and they both provided a gift. So what's the problem here? I don't understand. See, the thing is, is that as most of us are going through our life trying to figure out what we're doing, when whenever we provide the product of what we give, our attitude behind it, if we feel like what we have is worthless, or if we don't feel like it's worth something, or we're not giving our best with it, I feel like God looks at it and says, I have given you some incredible abilities to do things that I have plans for you to do something with them, and you're squandering it. You're wasting it. And so when we ask this question, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I have had conversations with people in my family, friends that I've known, people in school, and they said, Jared, I don't understand like this concept of a calling. I have said, I'm called to be a pastor. And I've known that for a very long time. But people would say, but I'm not called to do that. So I don't have a calling in my life. And that's not true. The concept of a calling, and this is something I put some thought into this week. This is what I think a calling is. Calling is whatever God has asked you to do or placed in front of you. That's your calling. Some of you are called to be an accountant. Some of you are called to be, um, you know, a manager at a restaurant. 
Some of you are called to be construction workers. Some of you are called to be business owners. Some of you are called to be moms. Some of you are called to be, you know, uh, managers in, in, a, in an office somewhere. Some of you are called to be pastors. Some of you are called to be ministers or missionaries. Some of you are called to be counselors. There's a variety of things. And whatever it is for your life, whatever God has put in your path, that is your calling. I'm tired of hearing people say, like, I'm called to be a pastor, and then everybody else feels like they're worthless somehow, that they're not, they don't matter. My job is only, this is what I'm here to do because this is what God gave me the ability to do. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. It doesn't make me any more special than you. We are all called to do something, and it's based upon what God is asking for us to do. And right now, I'm a pastor, but you know what? Two years ago, I wasn't. And that's the thing. It's like sometimes callings come, and sometimes they go into different things, and they go into different seasons. And so when we're trying to figure out what is it that I'm supposed to do in my life, what I would say is we need to get our assignment and give it your best. So we said in a general sense, all of us are, are called to know God and to make him known. Like every human being on earth has that calling in their life. But specifically, I can't tell you what your calling is. I can't look at you and say, you're called to be an accountant because I don't know that. But you need to get your assignment and do your best with it. Get your assignment. Abel was a shepherd. That was his assignment. And Cain was a farmer. And that was okay for him too. Like, the problem with the gift that Cain gave wasn't the gift itself, it was the heart behind it. I think... Because if you look at the scriptures, it said that Cain brought some of his crops. But Abel gave the best, the first portions, right? Like, I could picture Cain going, God, why wasn't I made a farmer? Or why wasn't I made a a shepherd? He gets to hang out with animals all day. And I'm stuck with the dirt. And I'm stuck with nasty tools. And I'm working hard. Maybe some of you are like that. You look in your life right now and you think, how come I can't? How come I can't be a pastor? Or how come I'm not a business person? How come I have to work hard for a living where other people don't? How come I don't have it as easy as somebody else? And I don't have the answers to that. But maybe, maybe just maybe the reason God put you in the space that you're in is because he knew that you would be able to be used in that space to make him known to other people. Maybe because I'm not good at farming Maybe it's because I'm not good with my hands. I've often wondered that. How come? So when we grew up in my life, my brother has always been a very athletic individual. He's always been able to do things a lot easier than I could any time I had to do with like, like, like sports or, or moving things around like that. I was never good at it. I'm clunky. When I got up to try to play baseball, I could bear, if I hit the ball, I was so excited to hit the ball and like ground out. Like, that's what happened. I'm serious. Like, I'd be playing baseball, and I'd hit the ball as hard as I possibly could. And I'm thinking that ball is going to go over the fence. It would go, ding, and it just sort of, like, stops right by the pitcher mound. And I'm running as hard as I could. One time, I actually slid into first base. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I remember feeling like, you know what? Like, every time I'd see my brother, I'd go out in the backyard. He's doing backflips all over the place. He's jumping off of, like, the, the deck and everything. And I would do that and bust my ankle up. Why couldn't I be more athletic? God, I don't know the answer to that question. But you know what? My brother has been able to help a lot of people in his life. He went to school for exercise science. And he was able to help people get healthy, and he was able to do something that I could not do. And there are people in our church who are great building these pallets and and doing all sorts of great things with their hands. I can't do them. When my toilet busted this week, I had to call my father-in-law because I have no idea how to be able to do those types of things. But you know what? What I can do, I can get up here and preach and teach people about the Word of God. 
That's something that I'm good at doing. And I'm, I feel like Cain, Cain's problem wasn't the fact that he was a farmer and that he brought crops. It was that he didn't care enough to give God his best with what he was given. Cain's problem was that he was given an assignment, but he didn't give his best. He didn't feel like what he had to offer mattered. And I think that there's somebody in the room today who feels like what they do in life, that what God has them doing isn't good enough. And that's not true. Because what God has given you to do, he's asked you to do. He's given you an assignment to do it. And you need to give your best with it. I think many of us go through life, maybe even not even considering what God might want from us. Some of you are in a job right now that maybe you're like, yeah, it's an okay job. But maybe you have never even considered that God wants to use it for a greater purpose. That perhaps he wants to take your accounting job or your, your management job or maybe you're working next to people on a cooking line or maybe you're a, a stay-at-home mom and you've never thought that God's purpose for you might actually be the thing that you're doing right now. And all it takes for you is to say, God, what is it that you want me to be doing with my life right now? And sometimes he might say, well, I'm glad you asked. I've been wanting you to quit your job and go do this thing. But for some of you, it might just be, I'm glad you asked because you've been doing this job for four years. And there have been people who who needed to know about me, people who needed hope, people who needed life, and we've missed those opportunities because you weren't listening to what I was going to tell you. He might not move you anywhere. He might not take you from a single space of where you're at. He might just say, I have something for you to do while you're typing or answering your emails. He doesn't want you going through your life feeling like you're stuck on a conference call, like with no point. Why am I here? He wants you to be living on purpose. And the only way you can do that is to get your assignment and to do your best with it. There was a a great video that was on Facebook this week. Has some of you guys ever heard of um, Joanna Gaines? She's on a TV show on HGTV called uh, Fixer Upper. And uh, yeah, my wife loves that show. There's this great, uh, this great video was on Facebook where someone was interviewing her and she was talking about her life and how she had started a business um, called Magnolia Sales or something like that, Magnolia Market. And she was trying to create a business where she would help people redecorate their interiors and their houses and like they would take items and repurpose them and, they would, and then sell them and help them figure out how they could put them into their houses. And she was really excited about it. But then at some point, she was being very intentional with her, with her relationship with God and saying, God, what do you want in my life? And she felt like God said, I want you to close your business. Now, wait a minute, that sounds way off. Like how, would, God, you gave me this gift and you've asked me to stop doing the thing that you put in me to do? And so she was obedient to it and, and uh, her and her husband started just doing some other things and she said, I want you, God said, I want you to focus on being a mom, being, being with your kids. And that happened to my wife, actually. Heather lost her job. She was laid off several years ago. And, we, and she, we really felt like after a period of time that God was saying, I want you to stay home because Lincoln needs you. And so Heather has been home with Lincoln and she started a home daycare business and it's been going great. And she listened. But this lady, Joanna, she did the same kind of thing. And a few years later, she was saying in this, in this video that a production company ended up finding her and her husband and asked them to do this show, Fix Her Upper. And now they restarted the business. And not only do they have this business, they're on television. And they're, she's helping people all over, their, I think their state, maybe North Carolina or wherever they're at. And, they're, and, and she's, God is now using the gifts that he has given her, not just in a small business, but has taken her and her family to a national scale to where now she's on Facebook telling the story about how God told her to give up the business and then brought it back in a grand way for his purposes. Thousands and thousands of people saw that Facebook post this week. 
because she was obedient to what God said in her just here and now. Whatever it is that you're doing in your life, whether you're, I keep saying an accountant, but that's just because that's the one thing I'm prepared, but whatever you do, or whatever you're passionate about or you're excited about, it's not going to be purposeful if you're not going to listen to what God might have you do with it. You could go your entire life using the skills that God has put inside of you to use, but if you don't listen and say, God, what is it you want from me, you could be applying those skills in the wrong way and maybe never reach the fulfillment or the purpose of what it is he had you do. When I was working at Beeline, there were so many times where I got an opportunity to be able to talk to somebody, where I was able to, to be able to share hope. When I was preparing to plant this church, I asked, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And he was just, and just be yourself and share what I am to you with other people. And I'm talking on the phone, and I have a very personable personality. So I'm on the phone doing business with people, and they'd be like, well, what do you, what do, you do? And what do you do with your family? And all this stuff. And I would tell them, oh, yeah, actually, I'm getting ready to plant a church. And it gave me opportunities to be able to share that. And in your life, it could be anything but you'll miss it. You'll miss those opportunities if you're not paying attention and asking God, what could I do with what you've given me? So we need to get your assignment and then give it your best. And it's gonna be different for each one of us, for each person, for every one of us. We have this fresh start and we've got this new life that Jesus has given us and we have a chance to begin again. You can have a fresh start even in your current job and your career and where you are in your life. Maybe right now you're saying, I think I need that. And you just open your heart to God. God, what do you want me to do with my life? For some of you, it might be going back to school. For some of you, it might be, it might be just doing what you're doing already, but with a new perspective, a fresh start in your perspective. And God might want to, and you'll, and you'll see. You know, I was driving to work one day. I've told this story before. When Before Beeline, I was working at Citizens Bank. And I remember just saying, God, what can you do? And he said, I want you to pray for people while you're at work. And I just started praying. I asked people would walk up to my desk. They'd have me do something. I'd say, hey, before you leave, is there anything I can pray for you about? It sounds a little bit weird, but I'd love to just, there's something going on. And you know what? How many people that day, how many people that day had something serious going on in their life? God told me to do something. I stepped out on a limb to do it. And then he met people where they were at. I was doing my job, but I was able to use it for a greater purpose. If I hadn't paid attention, those people may have missed that opportunity. We've been given a fresh start. And now we can find out what our true purpose is in life. And I said in the beginning of, our, of my message that we all want to feel important and that we matter. And I think each one of us do matter because each one of us has been given an assignment from God. And we've been created for it. And as we, each of us do our part, we bring glory to God and find fulfillment in our life and purpose. Our new life begins with Jesus and we find the answer to our questions about life as we walk with him and live our lives for him. Come on. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.